BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Five Rounds Podcast. Uh, this is officially the 100th episode of Five Rounds. We didn't even realise that until we saw the post up on Visionaries Love Media. That 100 episodes of just giving you week to week UFC content uh, and this ain't the end of it. This is uh, just the beginning. We, we don't intend stopping and we, we are just going to plough through 2021 20, and beyond. Uh, but obviously with me as always, my son Carlos. Carlos, how are you? Absolutely brilliant, especially with this being our 100th episode. We've been able to create so much content. Like you're saying, this is only the, the beginning of our long journey with my, with my little side of coming off of the, with the five rounds interviews that are dropping the in in January, it's just more content that we're gonna be gonna be creating, and then even better, I get to do it with my dad. So <laughs> it's simply just yeah, it's, brilliant. From what started as basically uh, a fun little side project, because we had the equipment to uh, record podcasts, has gone on to be the longest serving podcast that I've got on my on my resume, and also one of the the most fun because. Like Carl said, we get to spend time watching these uh, this these UFC events that we're both really massive fans of, and, and we get the opportunity to talk about it afterwards. It's, yeah, we just can't get any better. But there is no UFC event this week. Uh, we rounded off the 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 UFC calendar last week. Uh, normally, we usually get like a, a an end of year event, but uh, UFC have given us so so much this year. They deserve a couple of weeks off at least. Uh, but that leaves us with a with a no event to talk about. So Carlton and I decided we'd uh, we'd give our year end awards the five, the official five rounds year end awards. So we've got a, a handful of awards here that we we're, we're gonna virtually give out and um, and just like talk about some of the, the highs and lows of, of UFC in uh, 2020 so I think we'll start with the law really the, the disappointment of the year award um, for me there was two big standouts in, in this uh, in this category uh, the first one being uh, Jorge Masvidal uh, and uh, Kamara Usman, uh, the fact that everybody was calling out for in that welterweight division. Masvidal obviously coming in with so much harp after the the brutal knockout of uh, of uh, Darren Till and then the the knockout of Ben Askren. It was like it was everybody's favourite fight, and Street Jesus was just the man. 
and then we had Kamara Usman, who's uh, the reigning defending welterweight champion, not really known for for having uh, kind of the the brutal knockout power, but were able to really dominate and smother his opponents, and and that's what we got. Uh, the disappointment is that we just didn't see that kind of dynamic attacking Masvidal that we saw in his previous fights. And we saw Kamara Usman really kind of suffocate uh, Masvidal to, to a, a very uh, decisive victory, but ultimately very disappointing victory in terms of action. Um, but the one I'm actually going to go with is again in the welterweight division. Um, the comeback of former champion Tyron Woodley after uh, after kind of many 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 kind of uh, pushes for him to want a title match back, he comes back against uh, Gilbert Burns and gets demolished, and then comes back against uh, Colby Covington. Really kind of and Colby fair play to him. We don't really like him on on this show, but fair play to me. Really tried to make this fight sound like a, a massive grudge match. And when it come to the, the action in the Octagon, Tyron Woodler was just non-existent. His comeback ended like a fart in church. He was absolutely embarrassed uh, and just took an absolute pasting for five rounds until he finally uh, got um, TKO'd by a fake rib injury. And uh, it's very likely that we, we may not see Tyron Woodley again in the UFC and... He just felt like he had no motivation to be in that fight and the fact that it was built up to be this big grudge match, that was a, a massive, massive disappointment for me. Two quality picks there. You've uh, obviously nailed on the ever ball for them. It was a very, like you say, the Masvidal and, and Usman fight did not live up to the heart that was surrounding it. Then obviously Tyron Woodley was definitely not living up to the heart he was setting out for himself. But for my picks... Uh, I had a couple for these, and the my second pick was Dominic Reyes, uh, just for mm-hmm. how much he was looking past uh, Jan, just because he were on good form against uh, Bones and basically declared himself the champion and the uncrowned champ, just because he he did well and he thought he won he thought he won the match, whereas when he got for, um, faced off against Jan, he were already looking past him. He was, yeah. He was thinking to be said, I don't need to fight him. When I do fight, I'm going to be somewhere the champion just because I, I, I did well. And he quickly realised, hang on a minute, Janet's like a Janet's like a fucking truck here. <laughs> and he, he surely at his own words. But my top pick of definitely 2020 has got to be Sugar Sean O'Malley. Just, not just his fight with Vera, just the attitude he had, mm-hmm. he still has now. Particularly there, he's like, oh, I'm still 12 and all. It's like, no, you're not. You're still giving B to Cody Garbrandt for the who had the best knockout of that event, and then you you basically used the bullshit excuse for for something that was just so little. Like he was on he was on a good good win streak. We were on three or four uh, three or four win streak, weren't it? And then obviously yeah. they lost a very now he could have handled that a lot more. Could have just licked his wounds, took it on chin, said he were said very with a better fighter, and and moved on. But he didn't. He's he's. Having this sort of bitchy persona about him, which to me is not a fighter in a way, so he's definitely the disappointment of 2020. He's that award, he's he's got his name all over it. (laughs) That's an absolutely great pick, Carlos, and it's one I really should have considered to be fair because yeah, it it was disappointing and and it it kind of. uh, it speaks about how much UFC bull up these fighters to thinking like the the shit don't stink and that they're unbeatable, and then when they 
they face someone who who is better than them as a fighter or they have uh, mistakes the the UFC drops them like hot shit and they move on to the next big thing and it, it, I just hope that sh- uh, backstage Sean O'Malley is kind of learning from this uh, from that loss and, and wanting to improve rather than thinking uh, that he's unbeatable because that, that fight clearly proved that he was um, so let's go into the next award um, I want to look at the breakout fighter of the year. Now, this doesn't necessarily have to be somebody who's debuted uh, in in 2020. It can be someone who's kind of just forced their way, their way into like the, uh, the the public's perception because of great performances or just making making themselves stand out in some way for the UFC. Um, for me, this was a little bit more clear cut. Um, I've gone with uh, Kamzat Chimiev from debuting in July when he beat uh, Dusko uh, Todorovic in the second. He then fought 10 days later, beating uh, Reese McKee in the first round, uh, where he broke the record for the fastest ever uh, turnaround in modern UFC history. And then in September, just a, a few more weeks after that, he absolutely destroyed Gerald Mershaw in, in the first round to win three straight fights. And if it wasn't for him and his opponent, Leon Edwards, contracting COVID at the same time, we, he would have potentially fought four, four times in this calendar year. Um, he's had such a buzz about him that uh, a lot of fighters are, are scared to take a fight against him. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've gone with... Uh, comes at uh, Chimia for my breakout of the year. Yeah, I really cannot argue against that. He was literally my breakout star uh, of the year. He, For what he's been able to do inside the octagon. And when we're talking about the UFC and really breaking out, not just as a fighter, but getting a lot of fans behind you and having the UFC willing to push you, he, it, that just goes to show how much of a star he potentially could be mm-hmm. if he keeps on, obviously, his winning ways. And I think... Uh, I don't think it's official yet, but him and Leon Edwards, is it official yet? It might, yeah, might. It's, uh, it's booked for the middle of January. So when that fight goes ahead, which, like you said, was supposed to be scheduled for this year, so he would have had four fights, and that's uh, a, a lot more. But I, I, were gonna, I, I was a little bit looking at Kevin Hollins, but it's then, in a way, I was looking at like the actual breakout of like the public. Like, a lot mm-hmm. more people are speaking about Chimia than they are Hollins, which is unfortunate because... Both of them are really good fighters, but in this case, we can only speak about one person. The heart train is only big for for Chimiev, and it's only getting bigger, as we can see. So next, let's go and uh, go over some finishes. Um, uh, firstly, let's talk about uh, the submissions of the year. Uh, I've got a, a few on my mind. I've got a... Jimmy Flick, where on his debut he uh, jumped into a, a triangle, uh, dragged uh, uh, Cody Durden, and his opponent down to the ground, trapped his arm and got a first round finish of a really kind of impressive uh, uh, way to, to end your debut fight. I've got the, the obvious one of uh, Habib uh, smothering Justin Gaethje uh, with his takedown, uh, then switching uh, into an arm bar, then transitioning that into a triangle to, to uh, put out the, the title contender and retain his uh, title. Uh, I've also got Mackenzie Dern uh, tricking Hannah Seifers into uh, leaving a leg in position so she could get an ankle pick uh, and a leg lock. Uh, in the in the first round in their their fight in May, but the one I'm actually going with is a uh, Ariana Lipsky. Uh, she 
pulled off uh, one of the most unique uh, finish uh, submission finishes to a, a fight I've seen in a long, long time when she had a, a calf slice on uh, uh, Luana Carolina and she was really kind of folding her up in, into all kinds of positions, like a, almost like a figure four in the WWE. And then she was able to transition that into a knee bar where she was pulling uh, Carolina's leg towards her own face, leaning back, and you could see the knee basically popping the, in the direction that a knee should never, ever pop. I mean, having issues with my knees because of a, of, um, a similar kind of incident, not in a fight, but where my knee went 90 degrees the wrong way, that, that made my nuts just seize up. Uh, yeah, it was a, a brutal, brutal uh, finish. So, yeah, I'm going with Ariana Lipsky's uh, knee bar. You know what, it was, it was weird that you were going to mention, so as I was like, doing my research for this, I weirdly in my head thought you were going to pick that, so I didn't pick that <laughs> one on purpose, but, uh, but I did pick one that you, you mentioned for your second one. My sub of the year has got to be Mackenzie Dern. Yeah, it was glorious. It's definitely glorious, just because of the way she set it up, but not only that, the history she's made behind it, it was the mm-hmm. first knee bar in women's uh, MMA, in a UFC bout in, in women's mixed martial arts. Mm-hmm. So it was just always an, an iconic moment for not only her but for the sport. She's pulled off a sub, the first one in in women's UFC history. So it's for me that that sort of weighed out the the out the outcome of obviously of the award. Uh, and not only that, she's been on an absolute tear as well. Yeah. But the, that knee ball, but the way she was able to just set it up so smoothly, yeah. it was just incredible. It was it was a really really clever and, and just watch it back to to kind of like refresh my memory, uh, the way she kind of a uh, goaded Cephas into leaving a leg there, then was able to ankle pick and then just work her way down the leg to to get the leg lock and really crank on it. Yeah, it was a it's a great pick and you could go, you couldn't go wrong with with either of those winning uh, some of the year. Definitely. But then let's go to what. Most casual fighters want to see in the UFC knockouts, uh, and this year is definitely not disappointed in terms of knockouts. So for my shortlist, I've got Chaos Williams, uh, and he's a very very short range, almost kind of like a, a Bruce Lee style one inch punch, a lightning fast jab uh, that stiffened Abdul uh, Razak Al Hassan. Uh, and this is a guy who's got a solid chin. We've seen him take shot after shot, and Chaos Williams was able to just starch him to the point where his legs and his toes were already stiff before he'd even fallen to the ground. Then I've got um, Joaquin Buckler, uh, where he threw a body kick to uh, in his opponent, uh, Impa Casanaga, uh, who caught the kick, and... Uh, Joaquin Buckley was able to do a, a twisting, spinning back kick that uh, landed clean on the chin of uh, uh, of Impa and he went asleep, uh, falling down like a tower of Jenga blocks. It was just beautiful. Uh, then I've got Cody Garbrandt with his uh, buzzer-beating uh, right hook that starched uh, Raphael Asuncao uh, just because of the, the way he was kind of being forced up against the cage and then just ducked down with all his power and just came out almost like a, a street fighter Hadouken and just absolutely just KO'd uh, Raphael Anton so it's just a beautiful punch but I cannot not go with uh, a very very recent one Kevin Holland on the ground against elite level BJJ fighter Jacare Souza 
turtling up when Souza was uh, was really trying to dominate and get him uh, into uh, into a, a, a very dangerous position. He hits Souza with kind of like a, a backhand hammer hammer fist sl- slash chop uh, to the temple. That rocks Souza, and then as uh, Kevin was able to uh, try and get to his feet before he was even on his actual uh, the soles of his feet, he unleashed two devastating right hands that absolutely spun Souza's jaw. That guy is just absolutely brutal. So yeah, my KO of the year is Kevin Holland just literally taking off the jaw of uh, Jack Ray Souza. That's it, that's a brilliant pick. I was actually going to go with that one myself. When I was thinking about it, like you don't see that one every day. You don't see someone just getting knocked out, getting both of them trying to stand up at the same time and then Kevin Holland were able to just crack him perfectly and, and that were it, that was just game over for him. But... When I was thinking about this uh, in Mera, going over like in Mera, what actually stands out most and what makes like, what makes the air on on the back of my neck stand up? And the only one for me this year, what I've seen it on my that was just power and just scary. And that's that awards for me has got to go to Jan Blakovic when he absolutely KO'd Corey Anderson with that perfect mm-hmm. overhand racket. Corey Anderson just came in with a little leg kick and and, and Jan Blakovic was, was already, you can already tell he, when he was fainting and when uh, Corey was trying to make him faint when he was going in and not throwing anything, you could tell that right hand were always getting ready to set up and just the perfect time when he was able to land it, it was just a straight over and right and then that big amethyst just to follow it up and then to sell your next fight with John Bones Jones straight after that, straight away. When you sell your fight with John Bones Jones straight after when you've just done an absolute brutal KO on Corey Anderson, especially at the elite level, because obviously there's been a lot of KOs this year, but <laughs> even though we're talking in the UFC, there's still, like Daniel Cormier says, there's, there's still levels to it. And when you're actually up there with Jan, who's now the champion, when he was fighting for that contender, that, that contender spot, you were just unexpected. You just wasn't. I wasn't expecting him to knock Corey Anderson out that quick and that easily. To be honest with you, so that it always just sticks in my mind. The perfect left, the, the perfect uh, overhand right, and then just the brutal amethyst straight afterwards, yeah. which was uh, which was super necessary. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great knockout. Like I said, there's been so many good knockouts. I mean, so many good uh, fights and so many good events. So let's uh, let's talk about them for a. For a few minutes, uh, let's go with event of the year. Um, I've got four um, all-numbered pay-per-views because uh, obviously that's what uh, the majority of, uh, of the fans uh, kind of get into. It's, it's, you don't often hear of many fans watching week to week like we do. Um, so first I'm going to go and mention... UFC 250, obviously a a, 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 a mark out number for, for the UFC, but we had uh, Alex Perez getting the, the KO against Formiga with the brutal calf kicks. We had that Sean O'Malley uh, one-punch knockout of Eddie Wineland, which kind of set him on that uh, harp train of his. We had the Aljamain Sterling uh, first-round uh, rear naked choke of Corey Sandhagen. That absolutely brutal uh, Cody Garbrandt uh, knockout of Aston Sal. And we had Amanda Nunes able to defend her featherweight title against Felicia Spencer. Then I want to look at 
USA 251, which was uh, a few weeks later. Uh, Yuri uh, Projakska uh, making a, a massive statement when he uh, slept uh, Vulcan Uzumia. Amanda Rebus getting the sub against uh, Paige Van Zandt. Another kind of really interesting sub where Amanda, uh, Paige tried to do a headstand to escape the, the sub was unable to. And that, that was the fact that sent her out of the, the UFC. We uh, had... Rose Namajunas uh, coming back to win the, the split decision against uh, Jessica Andrade uh, after a, a, a war between the two former champions. Then we had Petty Yan uh, picking up the, the vacant uh, banterweight title against Jose Aldo. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky retaining his featherweight title against uh, his former champion Max Holloway. And then obviously Kamara Usman dominating uh, Street Jesus Jorge Vazvodal to retain his uh, welterweight title. Then I want to kind of give a bit of a shout out to uh, UFC 249 where we got uh, Calvin Qatar making a statement by knocking out Jeremy Stevens and Garnu just saying he wants that title when he beat Rosenstreich in 20 seconds. Henry Cejudo beating uh, former champion Dominic Cruz uh, and then going out on top as a double UFC champion and, and uh, giving his uh, retirement speech as Triple C out. Then we've got uh, Justin Gaethje destroying the kind of aura of uh, El Kakua, absolutely killing the boogeyman and leaving uh, Tony Ferguson a shell of the fighter that he once was. But I'm actually going to go with, and you can call it uh, recency bias, I suppose, but uh, I'm going to go with UFC 256. We had Chase Hooper with a, a heel hook against uh, Peter Barrett. Raphael Fiziev KOing Renato Moicano. Cub Swanson absolutely just smashing the laugh out of Daniel Pineda. Cyril Gagne and his controversial knockout of uh, Junior Dos Santos. Um, Kevin Holland and that brutal uh, murdering of uh, Jacare Souza. Uh, Mackenzie Dern finally understanding what a broken nose feels like when uh, she got the decision victory against uh, Werner Yanderoba. Um, the, the continued kind of downfall of Tony Ferguson, but that kind of being matched with the the rise of Charles Oliveira uh, in that uh, that uh, loss to uh, De Bronx, and then arguably the greatest flyweight title match that we've ever ever had uh, when Davidson Figueiredo and Brandon Moreno, after just after both fighting separate fights two weeks before and come and give us a, a draw. Uh, and just showing that these flyweights have power, have skill, uh, and luckily we will hopefully get to see that again in early uh, uh, 2021. So my pick is UFC 256. Not even kidding, your picks there are absolutely brilliant. Like the, the points you've just covered, like, UFC 256, like you say, might have been the recent one, so you might call it bias, but it's it, go and watch it again. Yeah. The the finishes that were on that and the, the spectacular main event between uh, Figueiredo and um, um, Brandon Moreno. Uh, Brandon Moreno. Don't know why I've literally forgot it. I'm just getting too excited about that <laughs> event. It's still recent. Uh, for literally for how that fight went from. When Figueroa kicked him in the balls and got a point took away, and then beat that fight ended up being a majority draw. It's definitely got to happen again, and I cannot wait for the second fight. And that was gonna be my original pick because, it, like I say, it just got me so excited. But I can't, I cannot 
overlook UFC 249. Just yeah. the 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 finishes on that card, and then the obviously the the controversial way that that Henry Cejudo's uh, retiring from the sport with with what I think is a is a is a win. People still think it's controversial, but he won that fight against Dominic Cruz, mm -hmm. retired on top, and then obviously going on to which. No one thought that fight was going to go all that way. Now let's let's put it in perspective. People knew that this was going to be an absolute war, but no one thought that that Justin Gaethje was going to be able to just beat up Tony Ferguson the way he did. Because mm -hmm. bar from that that uppercut, what landed in the second or third round, and what dropped Gaethje. Other than that, it was just all Gaethje from start to finish, yeah. and. Elgin Curry just couldn't do nothing about it. He was getting hit that hard. His body was literally turning. Then Gaethje was just basically pushing him. And when, even when he were pushing him, he was going bouncing off against the octagon. And you don't see anyone doing that to Elgin Curry. And no. To be honest with you, that's broke Elgin Curry. You're not gonna Elgin Curry's not gonna look the same again. Tony Ferguson is not gonna be that sort of fighter again. And I, with I can put my money on that probably with the way that um, he got finished by Oliveira and the way he looked against Oliveira. You don't see someone yeah. doing that to him, and the way you disengage, you were able to just absolutely destroy him. But not only that, his, his cornerman, Trevor Whitman, like one of the best coaches out there, like the advice was telling him to just slow down. Like normal Gaethje's Gaethje does, he loves being in a war. And that's, you don't see no one wanting to go for a war with Tony Ferguson, <laughs> and you don't see anyone's corner basically telling their fight to calm down against Tony Ferguson. If you give Tony Ferguson the, the, the space and the pressure and the, the room to work, he's, he's, he's going to take it. And Gaethje were able to give him none of that and take it all for himself. And when Trevor Whitman told him to calm down, you, you're trying to kill him, just, <laughs> you, just basically beat him up. He listened to his, his, his corner right there and then he listened to his head coach. So not only were he in that, that pressure of the, one of the biggest fights of the year, which could potentially still win the, the best fight of the year, and he were able to keep a composed attitude, still able to listen to his corner and go out there and put on a spectacular show against El Kikui, a show that people thought that this is going to be one of the toughest tests for Justin Gaethje, and he absolutely steamrolled uh, Tony Ferguson. And Tony Ferguson didn't have no answer. He were able to do nothing about it, and his soul left his body in that fight. It's as simple as that. And, and it's still not back now because, obviously... Uh, like we said, Charles Oliveira destroyed him uh, very recently. So that's yeah. it. So definitely, my 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 event for for twenty twenty is definitely going to be UFC two forty nine. Great pick. Um, so now let's go on to um, single fights. Uh, for me, there's a uh, there's been quite a few. I mean this. This year, UFC have provided us with so much content. It was actually harder to pick out uh, memorable fights because we've watched so many. Uh, but the few that I've I've I've, pull, I've plucked out of the bag are Dan Hooker versus Dustin Poirier at UFC Vegas Four, and also Dan Hooker versus Paul Felder uh, back in February of this year. Um, Hooker was able to beat Felder, uh, but unfortunately lost to uh, to Dustin Poirier. But with both performances, we we really got a feeling of the heart, the grit, the power, 
uh, and the technique that Dan Hooker really has got and he kind of really made a name for himself th uh, this year with two uh, performance of the Nats and and two potential fights of the year because yeah he, he's just proved himself to be uh, an elite level fighter. Uh, then I've got uh, Figueredo versus Moreno. Like I said, this is arguably the the best flyweight fight we've ever seen. Two guys just beating the living piss out of each other for five rounds getting a draw which means hopefully we'll get this run back but what makes this more significant is the fact that these two guys had a fight uh, just two weeks before and um and was able to still man up for this event uh, and bring us such an amazing fight but the one i'm gonna go with uh, my winner is from ufc 248 uh Zhang defending her strawweight title against joanna jajacek Joanna uh, uh, obviously was uh, one of the most dominant women fighters in the UFC. Uh, lost her title and kind of lost her way and ended up dropping quite a few fights and was was not the fighter that we all thought that she she was. We thought that she'd kind of lost a bit of pace, lost a bit of passion for fighting. Uh, Earns herself a, a title shot against Zhang. Nobody giving her the slightest bit of of, uh, of a hope against uh, such a dominant fighter in Wei Li Zhang. Really, kind of come out in the last couple of years and 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 just destroyed that strawweight division. And we got probably the greatest strawweight um, fight in in women's history. Maybe even the greatest women's fight in no matter the weight class, because these two actually gave it their all left absolutely everything in the outcome went five rounds hell for leather both just taking shots after shots after shots and the visual of a of a joanna jajacek just looking like the elephant man with the amount of swelling and and just like contusions on her face but the that didn't speak the whole story. The fact is she held her own against a very, very dominant Wei Li Zhang and many people believe that she may have been robbed in that decision. Uh, I'm particularly not one of them. I think she she uh, really made a good performance of herself, but I still think that Zhang won the fight. Uh, but yeah, these two women just set the mark for, for women's MMA in, in the UFC in 2020. So for me, the winner of five year has to be a Whaley Zhang versus Joanna Jajacek. Definitely, that was that was my, honestly my second pick. The the fight between them two, not only did they set a record in their fight, you can't ask for a better better title belt than than them two. It was like you've already said. In my my opinion, it was it literally is the best women's belt in the UFC. What I've seen today, and, and it's going to take something a lot more to. To make that belt basically leave my mind, but the the fight of the year, which just always it just makes me stand up on edge and always just like it just always gets me riled up and just it gets just super excited to be honest with you. And it's got to be Paul Felder versus Dan Hooker. Oh. Dan Hooker was an absolute animal in that fight. He's taking all the all the basic all the spirit and the pride from. From city kickboxing, training with Israel Adesanya, and honestly believing he's, he's going to be world champion, and 
this was literally today when he fought Paul Felder, his biggest test, and we already know the Irish Dragon, we love him on the Five Rounds podcast, mm -hmm. he's an absolute animal, and if you're fighting him, you best be on your A game, because he'll make you pay for it, and did he make Dan Hooker pay for it in this fight? Yeah, Dan Hooker did go on to fight Dustin Poirier and, and lose, but in this fight in particular, it was just from start to finish, five round fight, just throwing mm. leather to chin, and that's all they were doing. They both came out looking like they've been in a car crash, and it, you couldn't ask for more, and I know a lot of people are, oh, I like knockouts, I like finishes, but in all serious sense, when a fight goes five rounds, especially this sort of fight, it just makes you appreciate what mixed martial arts is, that, that two people can actually physically fight for this long and this much and that much output for 25 minutes, and you, you personally not being bored is just phenomenal. You couldn't ask for more. The just respect that went into that fight and the respect that both men basically gained coming out of that fight is just it's phenomenal. And one of them is one of them should have gone down. One of them should have gone to sleep in in one of them rounds. And it was none of them did. Like Dan Hooker looked like he had an extra chin on his head. Yeah. And Paul Felder was literally red in the face. He was blood absolutely everywhere. And there was there were no giving up in none of them. Even at the the, the the last the last buzzer at the end of the the fifth round, they were both still they were yeah they both still had a couple of rounds left in them. Yeah. Like that that literally could have gone on till it was like sudden death. And to be honest with you, I reckon it would have been till like the referee got right used to need to calm down now. Right, stop. Well, it just one of them fights that always gets me excited to watch, and especially Paul Felder and Dan Hooker has got to be the the best fight for me of the, of the year. Yeah, it was an absolutely great fight. And, and like you said, these these two just, they put on a, a performance and it was just absolutely brutal to watch. They just wanted to, to beat the life out of each other and, and they certainly, certainly did that. And, uh, UFC Auckland had a hell of a, a main event there. So before we get into the, the two main awards of our... Uh, female and male fight of the year I just wanted to uh, to kind of throw a little bit of um, props towards uh, a section of UFC that sometimes doesn't get the, the respect it's due and I think with this year uh, I, th I think it's time to shine a little bit of light it. I want to talk about commentary and um, commentators so if uh, Covid and the kind of lack of fans that we've had in attendance has done one good thing it's that we get these interactions between the fighters and the commentary uh, that we would not normally get because of the the, the cheering and, and and the screaming from the crowd, and it's brought some really funny and interesting moments. Uh, for example, we had Ricky Simone flexing his muscles because he heard <laughs> Daniel Cormier saying he looks swole. Um, We've had uh, Paul Felder jumping up out of his seat when he saw that uh, that uh, ninja kick KO from uh, flying backwards from Joaquin Buckley. It was amazing. We had Andre Olovsky and John Anik waving at each other in the post fight interviews. <laughs> I see you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we had a. Uh, uh, Dustin Poirier telling Dan Hooker he should listen to Bispin when uh, oh, Bispin uh, said that he had uh, two quick cup shots and he said come on dude and then Michael replied with that's a smart guy people should live their lives by that motto uh, we had Dan Arder mentioning Hannibal Lecter and Hannibal of Carthage being terrifying and DC going 
I have no idea who Hannibal of Carthage is, um, but the way you say Carthage, I absolutely love it. And then uh, Danard is saying, it's the guy who took the elephants over, over the Alps, and uh, Daniel's going, yeah, I really should know who that dude is. Um, then we had DC doing impressions of uh, uh, Raphael Asunsau when he was KO'd by Cody Garbrandt, uh, just to make Joe Rogan pop. And then at that same event, we had uh, DC uh, avoiding eye contact with Joe Rogan when uh, when he was talking about eye pokes oh, uh, being an instant uh, point deduction. Uh, and uh, when Joe throws it over to DC, he says, oh, you're, you're very quiet over there. And DC's like, yeah, uh, I don't know if I agree with you because uh, I poked some dudes in the eye before and I really was like, shit, he's going to throw this over to me and I have no idea what I'm going to say. Um, so yeah, we've uh, really had like a lot of fun with the with the crowd and uh, with the commentators and and especially here when we're watching the show because it's been multiple times when we've said something um, and then we've seen, heard the, the commentators do it. I'm sure they've got uh, the Kirby House all bugged uh, for for information. But I wanted to kind of just uh, give an award for who I think is uh, has been the the commentator of the year. Um, Especially with having so many events over the over this uh, kind of COVID era, I mean, we give UFC a lot of shit for for keeping on the events. Uh, but to be absolutely fair, they have knocked out the park, giving us week after week content, giving us uh, the the most uh, the the most clear and uh, trustworthy testing, uh, the most open kind of. Uh, um, uh, reports about fighters getting uh, getting um, infected and, and, and coming off the fires and really kind of keeping uh, COVID out at, at bay whilst putting on show after show after show. So props to UFC for, for doing that. Um, then we, when we get to the commentary, we've had guys like Paul Felder, Dan Harder, Dominic Cruz and Michael Bisping really kind of holding the fort down for these week-on-week-on-week on week shows at Vegas and Fire Island. Then we've had DC and Joe Rogan coming in for the massive uh, events uh, with John Anik. Uh, but for me, my winner has got to be Michael Bisping. Uh, he's brought knowledge, charisma. Uh, he brings humility as well. Uh, he's always kind of still willing to learn. But he's brought comedy to the booth. He's made he's made he's made UFC commentary fun for me this year, uh, and he's really done well to make that transition from former fighter, former UFC champion, to being uh, one of the the best analysts for fighting that UFC's got. So my commentator of the year is going to be the Count Michael Bispin. Absolutely, you can't argue with that. From a a, a commentator's uh, point of view, he's absolutely knocked it out of the park. From Someone who started doing it and people were sort of giving him shit saying he basically didn't know what he was doing to turning out to being, for me, one of the best commentary personnel on that team. And mm-hmm. Especially when they're broadcasting and when he's on there with the likes of Paul Felder or, or Dominic Cruz, the, the sort of, like you say, the sort of knowledge you, you get out of them is brilliant because not only are they, are they commenting and are they good at it, they've been there, they know what they're talking about and they they can bring points across that you maybe aren't seeing on the screen, whereas if a fighter's just done something or is about to do something, because of their own knowledge, they'll broadcast it to you and you'll be able to like, oh yeah, he did do that. So it, they help you a, a hell of a lot to follow it. And in Michael's case, 
he's done that near enough throughout most of these uh, events that he's been able to uh, commentate. He's tried his best throughout not only to be professional and giving us knowledge, but keeping it real as well, you know, uh, being being humble and showing that yeah, you might be on UFC, but we still we still humans at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. If something's funny, he's one of them guys. He's he's, he's somewhat in a way gonna make fun of it, and that that the clip of that just sticks in my head of when <laughs> Dustin Poirier just like listen to this thing, and this like that's a smart man right there. People should live by that motto, and he's he just sticks in my head just just perfectly. So I can just imagine him saying it. He's just just imagine him just there just saying that to himself, just looking at mirror. It's like. You're a smart guy. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's a lot of it as well. Is that it's, it's the typical kind of Northern English uh, sense of humour. We, we, if there's one thing we're known for, it's, it's being quick witted and that, being able to have a fly, uh, funny jab, uh, just roll off the top of the the tongue. And he's really brought that I think with UFC. Yeah, definitely. That's what got me. Obviously, is the, the humour, the case that he, he brings, and his ability to not only just give us the knowledge and enjoy what he's doing the fact is that he could have easily retired and basically moved on to somewhere else but yet he he, he stuck around he, he's given us plenty of years of shit talking now hopefully he give us plenty of years of, of commentary moments as well yeah. so he's definitely the, the the commentary personnel of the year for for the five rounds podcast absolutely um, now let's get into the the two big awards the uh the, the female and the male fighter of the year. Let's go with uh, the female award first. And, and for me, this uh, was fairly clean cut. Uh, there was pretty much only two people who really stood out uh, for uh, the female fighter of the year. First one is Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, she's absolutely continued that dominance in the flyweight division. Totally destroyed our number one contender, Kathleen Chukagian, in, in February, and then got a dominating uh, decision win over Jennifer Meyer, uh, where she actually beat Meyer at her own game uh, on the ground, really dominating uh, Meyer um, and de defending that title twice. But for me, there's, there's one standout uh, woman who's been head and shoulders over everybody else this year, and that's Mackenzie Dern. She ended uh, 2019 with a loss to Amanda Rebass. Uh, then in uh, in May of 2020, she subbed uh, Hannah Cyphers in, in the, the submission that we spoke about earlier with the amazing kind of ankle pit knee bar. And then she followed it up with a, an, an arm bar against Randa Marcos in September and then rounded off the year with a with uh, the decision win against a very vicious uh, Verna Jandaroba, uh, where she uh, was happy that she got her first ever broken nose. So, yeah, my female fighter of the year has to be uh, Mackenzie Dern. <laughs> Absolutely. Are you looking at my list? <laughs> well, that's, I've got Mackenzie Dern as well. She's always been the breakout, uh, the, the female fighter of the year. F for me, just off the sheer willingness to keep going in there, keep competing, winning back-to-back. -back. She's on a submission tear, then obviously a, a decision win where she can show that she's not only a submission machine, she can take you to the decisions mm -hmm. if you basically allow her to. And take a punch. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, she's, got a, she's, she's got a chin on her. Uh, but the reason she's the fighter of the year, for, uh, female fighter of the year, is going back to the basically the knee ball finish, mm -hmm. just making history in the female uh, women's MMA with 
going with the first uh, first ever knee bar that that puts her stands her out in 2020 above everybody else now obviously there's been a lot of different fighters that I could have nominated but just in this case well in that case alone she's the the, the female fighter of the year making history and just having the willingness to cut to keep it consistent keep going forward take the losses on the chin keep moving forward and not giving up mm-hmm. definitely the female fighter of the year yep uh, now let's go into the male award uh, for me again there was two massive standouts in, in this award the first one we mentioned earlier he, he won my breakout of the year award uh, Chimiev uh, with his uh, three fight win streak only debuting uh, in, the, in the late the second half of the year in July and able to pick off three very quick wins uh, and would have potentially had fourth one if it wasn't for Covid uh, but my actual winner is someone who Carlos uh, mentioned earlier on uh, he's already won an award from me with the with the knockout of the year and it's Kevin Holland again kind of like Mackenzie Derny he ended 2019 with a loss lost to Brendan Allen uh, then he first fought in 2020 in May when he KO'd uh, Anthony Hernandez who was who was then looking uh, at potentially uh, being a big name in the UFC then he uh, he beat Joaquin Buckley in August he beat Darren Stewart by uh, decision in September uh, he beat Charles Antiviros in October via a beautiful slam submission and then he had that star-making KO of uh, Jack Ray Sousa uh, on December the 12th this year. The only fighter to end the year with five wins out of five, forcing himself into into the, the title picture. Uh, I can't put anybody above Kevin Holland this year. That's it. It's, hard. it's literally hard to argue with that, with his spectacular run. And like I said was before when when I mentioned him, he's been an absolute breakout star as long with Jimmy Evan. I don't think he's got that much attention and he's due it to be honest with you. He definitely is due it. He's he's definitely a a a fighter to be watching. He's he's always exciting, he's always fun to watch. But for me, the for male fighter of the year award has got to go to a guy who a lot of people thought when he came into the organisation a lot of people thought, oh, here we go again. This is just another heavy hitter who's going to get knocked out. And yeah, to some extent, people were right. He did take a couple of losses, but he came back from that with the work of his team, with a, with his own work ethic and with his own willingness to continue. He was able to end up fighting for the title. And the fighter is Justin Gaethje. He's not only just been able to to be that star that he's been so respectful because he's one of them fighters you think he's like that what's he like outside of the octagon and to my knowledge and as far as a lot of people say he's one of the the, the one of the kindest guys you'd be able to meet he wanted to help kids if he didn't want to be a fighter you can't get kinder than that it's a great pick Justin Gaethje has been an absolutely outstanding fighter and um, like I said he coming to the UFC with a, a massive heart train, unbeaten in his in his uh, professional career. Uh, took a loss, and but learned from it, and was able to change his kind of uh, one direction go attitude to um, to really add levels to his game. And and you mentioned it uh, earlier when you were talking about his his uh, 
it's it's part with uh, uh, was it Hooker? No, what one Hooker? Uh, Ferguson. Ferguson. That's it. Sorry, apologies. Uh, where he he took the advice from his coach to to tone it down a little bit and, and not have to go a hundred percent go. Uh, it's just I've never seen a fighter develop the way that Justin Gates has developed uh, in such a short space of time and really went from being. Uh, like I said, oh here we go, big fighter coming in, uh, big fighter in a small pond coming into the UFC, they're, they're going to get starched, kind of like the uh, Eddie Alvarez or the Ill Will Brooks where they met a big name and then when they come to the big show they, they just can't, they just can't, can't quite cut it. Justin Gates has, has, has shown he can cut it and he's one of the very elite fighters um, and potentially he's, he's going to be... Uh, not just an interim champion, uh, but a full-fledged uh, UFC champion uh, in the very, very near future. Well, that's obviously why I, I, I had to pick him. He's the work he's been able to do all the past year is win after win after win, and then mm-hmm. obviously his upset loss against um, against Khabib, which to be honest was not not surprising. Khabib's an absolute beast, but in in my sense, if Khabib doesn't come back, uh, Justin Gaethje will be the champion. It's He's, he's going to be the hardest fight for any fighter in that top five. And if you want to be a champion at the division, odds are you're probably going to have to get through him. And I don't want that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's the end of uh, of the five rounds uh, year-end awards. Uh, lots and lots to, to pick at there. And, and it's been an absolutely outstanding year for the UFC uh, in terms of content. Um, but definitely check in on us. Uh, in the new year we've uh, got many things in the pipeline as Carl's mentioned uh, at the beginning uh, Carlos is bringing a, a very uh, cool little interesting project to five rounds with his uh, with his five rounds interviews where he's going to be talking to up and coming and and uh, big name fighters and and uh, finding out why they love uh, MMA the way that, that, that we do uh, so yeah they'll be dropping uh early January so yeah definitely uh, check them out uh, but follow on Twitter at DJ Kirby follow Carlos here at Kirby underscore Carlos and if you're a if you're a, a burgeoning UFC fighter definitely go and give him a drop him a DM he'd, uh, he'd love to speak to you uh, follow the show at 5 rounds pod um, follow the networks at shooting the sports Ish, at chair shop media group and at visionaries global media thank you for all your support throughout 2020 and throughout the 100 episodes that we put out uh, this show wouldn't be anything without uh, you guys and gals listening along and, and giving us feedback and and really enjoying mma the way that we enjoy mma um thank you all for listening have a happy happy new year and that is the end adios amigos thechairshot.com always use your head